Good morning and welcome to K Chapel. This is the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are glad about it. We welcome you to this first Sunday of June as we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Certainly, uh, we gather here knowing that our nation uh, is in peril, our people are in turmoil, uh, but we serve an ever-present God. God says that I am with you in good times and in bad times. He's a very present help in time of trouble and so we know that we can lean we can depend and we can trust in the ever-loving care of our everlasting god this morning this morning we're going to worship the lord uh, by going through some of our archives for worship and praise we're going to allow you to worship the lord by listening to some of the past services some of the past music in some of the past services and so we invite you to worship in spirit and in truth now as we listen to some of our choirs from past services lift up the name of the lord let's worship and praise him now together praise the lord praise the lord praise the lord don't repeat it, praise the Lord. Don't repeat it, praise the Lord. It's all right. Have you told him thank you this morning? Have you told him thank you this morning? Have you told him thank you this morning? Well, we're going to tell him thank you. And you invited to thank him with us. Come on, put your hands together. How many of you owe God a thank you this morning? I dare you to get up on your feet and tell him thank you. Oh, 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 oh. 
Deacon Frederick Wilson. I will be reading Psalm 11. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul? Flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bid their bow, their bow. They make ready their error upon the screen, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord tried the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance do it. Behold the upright. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of his holy word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus for this day that you have made and allowed us to be a part of it. For that, I say thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for our health and strength and being in our right mind. Heavenly Father, we are faced with a virus that has changed and in many cases destroyed our way of life. It is my prayer that you remove this deadly virus right now in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, this virus has closed business, leaving this country with millions of people unemployed. And now we are once again faced with marching through the streets because of another senseless death. However, through it all, Heavenly Father, I know you are the way, the truth, and the life, and therefore, I walk by faith that this too will pass. Heavenly Father, I love you, and I trust you, and thank you for your grace and your mercy that we can lean on. Heavenly Father, I know there is a word from high. I pray that you allow Pastor Buckley to decrease and you increase through him. And the message today, bring us closer to you. This is our prayer, and we submit it to you. For it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How good and how faithful is our God. Right now we have the opportunity to give unto the Lord who has been so good and so faithful unto us. Uh, there are many ways that we can give, and we invite you to do so uh, by way of app. If you have downloaded the church app on your smart devices, you can do that right now. Or you can text to the number that's on your screen and give by way of text. You can always mail your tithes and offering in or drop it by the office during some time of the week. But however you give, let's make sure that we do so regularly. Let's do so cheerfully, for God loves a cheerful giver. Won't you give now?
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the offerings that were presented today. We ask that you receive them and multiply them, that, there, that everything that was received be pleased in your eyesight. We bless those who gave and those who had the desire to give but didn't have it this time. For it's in your precious Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, K-Chapel. Be sure to join us every Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. for Sunday School Online. It's easy to get connected. Just go to the K-Chapel app and click on the link. You can also check out the Sunday School classes on our K-Chapel YouTube page. And Children's Church has new information, resources, lessons, songs, and great fun every Thursday. Again, just check out the K-Chapel app for a quick link to get connected. And VBS 2020 kicks off this Monday at 6 p.m. Join us live as we proclaim that I've got this with Jesus. Here's a quick overview of the VBS class schedule. Preschool classes will be held on Monday at 6.30 p.m. Primary and junior classes on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. And teen classes on Tuesdays as well, but at 7 p.m. Adult classes will convene on Wednesdays at 7 for more information about BBS and to get connected to classes, just check out the K-Chapel app. And our 2020 Vision Youth Weekend kicks off next Saturday. Join us for our annual event. The theme for this weekend is All Plans Are Flawed Without God's 2020 Vision. Youth Weekend activities begin on Saturday, June the 13th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. when all Cade youth are asked to drive through the church parking lot and pick up a special gift from the youth department. And on Saturday night, there will be a virtual lock-in for all youth ages 14 and up. This will be held from 10 p.m. to 12 midnight. Youth Weekend will culminate on Sunday, June the 14th at 11 a.m. with our Youth Sunday virtual activities. Even though we're physically distant during this pandemic, this is a great time to make sure that you're plugged in and connected with us here at Cade. Be sure you've downloaded the Cade Chapel app on your mobile and tablet devices. And if you've not done so, text the keyword CADE to 70000. Again, text the keyword CADE to 70000. This will ensure that you're connected in our text group to receive messages about upcoming events and announcements. And here are a few web pages that would be good for you to bookmark. First, bookmark our KChapel Nucleus page. That's kchapel.nucleus.church. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com and search for Cade Chapel and then click the subscribe button. And finally, be sure to bookmark our kchapeljackson.online.church page. Again, that's kchapeljxn.online.church. This will get you connected to our online classes like Bible study and Sunday school. So take a few minutes to get plugged in and stay connected with us here at Cade. And please be sure to check your bulletins or the bulletin boards for, uh, wait, no, no, hmm. And please be sure to check our Facebook page and the K-Chapel app for additional information and upcoming community events. And to share your ministry news with the K-Chapel family, just send an email to kchapelannouncements at yahoo.com or you can go to the Submit Info tab on the K-Chapel app. But be sure to get your announcements in by noon on Tuesday of each week. Oh! Brothers and sisters, I want to welcome you back to life Back to the one That can make your next chapter Your best chapter Hallelujah How can it be That you love the most unlovable part of
on Sunday, July 26th at 11 a.m. Join us for Celebration 13 via the K-Chapel app, Facebook Live, or YouTube. Be sure to save the date.
I invite you this morning to consider a portion of scripture with me found in the gospel according to St. Mark. Mark chapter number 7 beginning with verse number 24. There you will find these words recorded. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. She besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled for it is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. She answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumb. He said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. For a few moments this morning, I want to talk about Jesus, faith, and race. Jesus, faith, and race. We have witnessed much over the course of the last two weeks. We saw an unarmed black man murdered by a police officer who had the audacity to cavalierly pose for the camera while snatching away his life. We saw protests and riots erupt in cities across America, some peaceful and others fueled with the high-octane frustration of being sick and tired. We saw an American president go into hiding in the White House bunker only to emerge by demeaning state governors by calling them weak and jerks, advising them to dominate their citizens in the battle space of American cities, and even referring to the National Guard as an occupying force all while militarizing Washington and dispersing peaceful protesters in order to make a reality TV campaign commercial. We even heard this president address the nation while in a period of social unrest by promising to protect Second Amendment rights. We've seen American journalists arrested on live television. We saw Australian journalists attacked by military police. And in the midst of it all, we are watching a world pandemic wreak havoc across America, but disproportionately impacting communities of color due to ongoing health disparities created by structural and systemic racism. Our nation seems to be coming apart at the seams, encouraged by the intentional actions of a few who are actually pulling at the thread. It is unfortunate 
that 117 years after writing it, W.E.B. Du Bois's critique of America's problem being that of the color line is still very much our present day reality. Although this is probably the most quoted words of Du Bois's writings, it is worth mentioning that this scholar actually evolved in his thinking on this matter. After visiting Poland three times and seeing the disparities and discrimination that existed in that country between people who, for, for whom color was not an immediate issue, Du Bois would later write in an essay entitled The Negro and the Warsaw Ghetto these words, quote, The result of these three visits, and particularly of my view of the Warsaw Ghetto, was not so much clearer understanding of the Jewish problem in the world as it was a real and complete understanding of the Negro problem. In the first place, the problem of slavery, emancipation, and caste in the United States was no longer, in my mind, a separate and unique thing as I had so conceived long ago. It was not even solely a matter of color and physical and racial characteristics, which was particularly a hard thing for me to learn since for a lifetime the color line had been a real and efficient cause of misery. He continues, Quote, no, the race problem in which I was interested cut across lines of color and physique and belief and status and was a matter of cultural patterns, perverted teaching, and human hate and prejudice which reached all sorts of people and caused endless evil to all men, end of quote. These quotations demonstrate an expansion of thought by an exposure to the human condition and recognizing that it's not just America, but it's humanity that is flawed. We have inside of us something that otherizes one another, putting people not just into colors, but into classes and categories and kinds that cause us to separate from one another. And this problem was not unique to the 19th, 20th, and 21st century American culture. In fact, this text that I read to you this morning illustrates the presence of this problem in first century Palestine. Jesus is made to grapple with the same problem of race. And what makes this a disturbing text and a problematic episode is how Jesus responds. For in this passage, Mark presents us with a Jesus that looks unlike anything we've come to know and believe about him. We know and believe Jesus to be loving. We know and believe him to be fair. We know and believe him to be good and just and one who treats all people with dignity. But in this text, we are confronted with a different picture of Jesus. Here, rather than being loving, we hear him seemingly lashing out. Rather than treating people with dignity, Jesus responds to this woman in a demeaning manner. Listen to him. He calls her a dog. And this is a racial slur. So what do we do with that Jesus? 
We love the Jesus who crosses cultural lines to talk to the Samaritan woman at the well, but, but what do we do with this Jesus? We admire the Jesus who loves the lepers and, and has dealings with the demoniac and ministers to the marginalized, but what do we do with this Jesus who hurls harsh racist language to this woman, this mother who is coming seeking for her daughter to be healed? He called her and her people dogs and to be sure there's nothing cute about that language there's nothing indifferent about it it was a direct insult to her and her people for mark gives great detail concerning this woman's ethnicity mark goes takes great trouble to say she was a greek and she was syrophoenician and that detail is given so as to put into context Jesus' response. So speaking of context, let's see what's happening here. Jesus has left Galilee and traveled to the very coast of the Mediterranean. The city of Tyre is a seaport. And seaports are famously known as multicultural centers or areas. Any Jew traveling there might expect to have contact then with non-Jews. From the Bible, it's clear that Jews drew clear lines between themselves and non-Jews. And when lines are drawn and enforced, it becomes increasingly easy to discount and dehumanize people on the other side. But let's stay with the story. A person from the other side, a Gentile, a Syrophoenician, a woman, approaches Jesus based on his reputation for being a healer. And she asks him to heal her daughter. So far, this doesn't look much different from many of the other healing stories in the Gospels. But what is shocking is Jesus' response. Listen to him again. Let the children be fed first. For it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. When he speaks of children, he is clearly referring to his own people, the Jews. He is upholding the color line. And as for the woman, she is identified within the dogs. And Jesus' language dehumanizes her. It demoralizes her. It is demeaning to her. This woman had done nothing to Jesus but ask for him to help her. And he responds with this language. What's up with that? What do we do with, with that Jesus? Commentators have taken two main routes to explain Jesus' response. Some say that Jesus, being God, knew what he was doing, uh, knew what he was rather going to do, but spoke this way to draw attention to his words and teach his disciples a lesson. The second route taken says that Jesus, being human, actually evolves in his thinking during the course of his exchange with this Woman, I, I, I want to suggest to you that the answer to this question lies somewhere in between both of those. But let me start with the second option first, that Jesus being human actually evolves in his thinking during the course of his exchange with this woman. Now, I know that's already making some of you uncomfortable in your conception of Jesus because you're thinking, wait a minute, Jesus is divine, he's fully God, so if he's fully God, he knows everything, and if he knows everything, how could he evolve in his thinking? But, but don't forget that even though he is fully divine, Jesus is also fully human. 
And being fully human means that he did not use his divinity to get out of the struggle that comes with being human. I need to say that again. Jesus does not use his divinity to get out of the struggle that comes with being human. Jesus did not come to the earth already a fully grown man, but Luke chapter 2 verse 52 says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. He grew in wisdom and in stature. That means that as a fully developing human, he grew in his understanding. He grew in his perception. He grew in what he believed and understood to be true. He grew in wisdom and Jesus did not use his divinity to escape the struggles of humanity. But Jesus, watch this, wrestled with issues. He grappled with positions and he developed and evolved in his thinking and his understanding of himself and his purpose. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this in Hebrews 5 and 8. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Listen to that. Jesus, God incarnate, learned. Don't miss that. He learned. Being fully God, he still, being fully human, learned. That's the reality of his humanity juxtaposed with his divinity. He learned, and his divinity did not keep him from having to learn by grappling with life's issues and dealing with life's struggles and coming to the right conclusion about those issues. And race was one of those issues. He dealt with temptations. He dealt with struggles. He dealt with issues, the same issues with which we deal. And the writer of Hebrews says that he, was, he dealt with all of them. He was tempted as were we, yet without sin. Watch this, which means that as he grappled with them, he came to the right conclusions. Don't miss that, y'all. He grappled with it. He wrestled with it. The things that he saw that were wrong in his culture, with his people, with his perspective, with his, he grappled with it, but he came to the right conclusions, yet without sin. Listen, the reason we seem not to be making much progress in this country when it comes to race relations is because people simply are not willing to wrestle with it, to struggle with it, to grapple. Oh, oh, we're willing to fight each other. and We're willing to prove our own points and we're willing to take a stand for our own position. But if we're ever going to find a national consciousness that honors the humanity of all people and that supports the human flourishing of all kinds, then hear me, white evangelicals, I'm talking to you now, white evangelicals must in earnest struggle with what they have been unwilling to struggle with and grapple with the historical perceptions and structural policies that have helped to shape a country that favors one over the other. And I single out my white evangelical brothers and sisters here because that is your work to do. Racism was created by those who have power. 
And it can only be eliminated by those who decide that it's time to give the power up. If we're going to get this race issue right, if we're going to live out the gospel of Jesus as brothers and sisters, then the work of mind alteration and heart transformation has to happen on this issue with those white Christians who love Jesus. Why? Because that's what Jesus himself did. He wrestled with it. He grappled with it. He dealt with it until he landed in the right space. What he did here with this Greek woman Syrophoenician by nation would become a keystone to the rest of his ministry and how to deal with those who are different. And there are three points to see here about how Jesus dealt with race or as Du Bois would call it, the color line and how we must meet it and deal with it today. First, he dealt with race through the ministry of liberation. The ministry of liberation. What, 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 you, what you must know is that racism, hear me now, racism is demoralizing and dehumanizing both for the oppressed and for the oppressor. And be clear, a lot of what's happening in America right now is absolutely demoralizing and dehumanizing it is demoralizing when you hear a white woman intentionally weaponize her tears in order to check a black man for challenging her to leash her dog that's demoralizing it's demoralizing when in Mississippi you can campaign for one Mississippi but at the same time sign an executive order to celebrate Confederate Heritage Month and support the current state flag that is the only flag left in the Union with Confederate symbolism. It's demoralizing but it's also dehumanizing. When you say that you're concerned about my health, but in the same breath, you will not expand Medicaid for 138,000 uninsured people in Mississippi. It's demoralizing, it's dehumanizing, and Christian people of good conscience must be willing to look beyond what fits the frame of our politics and consider what is morally and ethically right. Because at some point, your politics and your faith are going to confront each other. That's where Jesus finds himself in this interaction with this woman. The place where faith and culture meet. And in that space, Jesus has to make a decision either to hold to his cultural bias or to remain consistent with the ministry of liberation. What do you mean consistent with the ministry of liberation? Remember, remember of Luke, Luke chapter 4 verse 18 says that, that he went into the temple one day and he took the scroll uh, uh, and read from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty 
liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Verse 20 says, and he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all of them were upon him in the synagogue were fastened upon him and he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Watch that. In that passage, Jesus announces himself as the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy and says of himself and his ministry that it has the purpose of liberation. And so then to deny this woman the dignity she deserved because of her difference would then discredit his ministry of liberation. Faith and race have met. And there in that space, the wrestling match begins. And Jesus says, I've got to remain true to who I've declared myself and who I understand myself to be. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says. And if the spirit of the Lord is upon me, I cannot keep looking at people and call them dogs. If the spirit of the Lord is upon me, I, can't, I cannot hold on to my cultural biases. If the spirit of the Lord is upon me, I cannot let race outrule and overrule that which I know to be true. If the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he would not allow the lines that have been drawn by culture to determine his ministry, his interactions, or his exchanges. But then secondly, Jesus deals with the issue of race or the color line with the ministry of transformation. The ministry of transformation throughout his ministry. I love the fact that Jesus tells his disciples, listen guys, do as you have seen me do. Serve as you have seen me serve. Love as you have seen me love. He tells parables and he concludes them by saying, go and do ye likewise. In other words, what you've seen me do, what you've heard me say, he says, I want you to go and emulate me. Interestingly, Jesus did not have these transformational meetings in private, but he did it in the presence of his disciples where they could hear him, see him, interact with him, exchange with him, watch this, and even hold him accountable. Jesus, I heard you preaching about this. Let me see how you're going to handle this. I heard you say we ought to do this for our, our loved ones and our enemies. Let me see how you're going to handle this Roman soldier. It, 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 is, it is, if you're going to preach it, let me see you do it. And Jesus says, I'm going to preach it and do it. Now as you've seen me do, you do likewise. In other words, Jesus preaches and teaches the ministry of transformation. I believe he does that so that we will hear, see, and be confronted with our own unconverted hearts and minds and, their own un and our own unchanged attitudes and see the need for transformation. Matthew's gospel tells us that the disciples tried to have Jesus send this woman away. They, they said, Jesus, you, you shouldn't be talking to her. Send her away. Don't bother yourself with this issue. You, 
You know she's Greek, she's South Phoenician, we're Jews. We shouldn't even be happy. We shouldn't even be in the same space. Jesus sent our way. But Jesus did not do so. He allowed the exchange, watch this. He allowed the exchange and the engagement to take place, watch this, in the presence of his disciples. And he does this because he knows that in order for a new dynamic to take place between people who are different, that they have to be brought to the pool to be dipped in the waters of transformation. He says, I'm going to let this play out. I'm going to let you see me grapple with the issue of race. I'm going to let you see me land in the right space, and then I'm going to demand the same of you. Where your thoughts are transformed. Your ideologies are transformed. Your belief systems are transformed. Your prejudices are transformed. Your preconceived ideas are transformed. Your notions of superiority are transformed. Your concepts of dominance are transformed. The disciples of Christ had to rethink their positions and we who call ourselves disciples of Christ must be willing to do the same. A lot of times we just rather let the issues go away. We'd rather rush by them and do the simple platitudes of transformation. Meet and have a multicultural prayer meeting. Looks like we're doing something. Y'all not talking to me. But Jesus says, no, if, if things are going to change, we have to have some honest spaces where the transformation takes place. Watch this, and people witness it. Where people see it, where, where you see my actions change, and you see my language change, and you see the way I deal and we relate with people change, and then I hold you accountable to do the same. In other words, if you're going to hang with me, you can't act the way you used to act. If we're going to be in the same circles, we can't, we can't talk the way we used to talk. And, and, and when we're in the presence of, uh, of black folk, we, we talk one way. But when we're in the presence of others, we talk another way. No, if we're going to be boys, we're going to be boys all the time. And we're going to act the same way all the time. And we're going to do right. It's the ministry of transformation. What of your thoughts? need to be transformed? What ideas and beliefs have you adopted about others that need to be transformed? What positions have you taken regarding people that need to be transformed? What conclusions have you reached regarding people groups that need to be transformed? If, if we will live in a nation where we will not be judged by the color of our skin but by the content of our character, what must be transformed in your heart? It's real easy at moments like this to become tribalistic in our thinking and to see the other as the enemy. But we should be reminded that across America, there are people of all colors and hues who are standing up and joining in the demonstrations and protests to bring attention to the need to change laws and policies pertaining to policing. The 75-year-old man 
in Buffalo who was pushed down by police officers on Thursday night and laid bleeding on the sidewalk. That was not a black man. The man who opened the doors of his home to protesters who were being tear gassed and allowed them to stay overnight feeding them and providing milk to rinse their eyes out. He was not a black man. These are allies of other colors. They don't share our skin, but they share our cause for humanity. And we must resist the temptation to put everybody in the same basket. Finally, finally, Jesus dealt with the problem of race or the color line with the ministry of reconciliation. In fact, this was the very purpose of his coming, the ministry of reconciliation, to be reconciled, to live in peace with our creator and with his creation, to be one race. The human race united against anything that disrupts that unity. The Apostle Paul talks about the ministry of reconciliation in these words. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 18, it says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God sent Jesus to reconcile the world first unto himself. All that's saying is this, that God loves humanity so much that he gave his only son to bring us back into proper relationship, watch this, with the Father, and with each other. That's what Jesus' prayer was about in John 17 when he says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. He says, That they all may be one. Watch this, that they all may be one. Listen again, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. I love that. In other words, Jesus says, the only way the world's going to believe that I am who I say I am is when folk who are not of the same kind can be reconciled unto each other. That, that's the real testimony of our faith when, when, when we can drop all that has separated us when we can push past all that we have used to keep us separate and distant and, and apart from each other. Jesus says, then the world will know that I am who I say I am. When, when people who say they love me and, and who are in me and I am in them, when they then get along with each other, not just for a breakfast, not just for a march and a protest, but when they actually love each other and live in a world demonstrating that love. That's when they'll know. That's when the world will know that I am who I say I am. And that, my brothers and my sisters, that is the ministry of reconciliation. Paul said it like this in Galatians 3 and 26, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. 
There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. That's a ministry of reconciliation. And I know, I know that reconciliation is a tall bill right now. As grandmama would say, that's a long road to hoe right now. Reconciliation. I know that many of us are not interested in hearing that word right now because we're angry. We're tired. We're frustrated. And if I'm honest, we're more interested in justice right now than we are in reconciliation. And let me join you in saying, so is your pastor. Oh, I believe that God is a God of justice. I believe that the gospel we preach and the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel that has justice at its core. But I also know that this same Christ and this same God is as committed to love as to justice. And ultimately, we cannot hate our way out of this. We cannot fight our way out of this. We cannot protest or demonstrate our way out of this. Hear me, all of those have their place and serve their purpose and must be done and have the right time for them to do it. But as children of God and disciples of Christ, we must subscribe to a higher power and live by a nobler ethic. And here's what I know for sure. That Jesus solved the problem of the color line 2,000 years ago with one color, red. It was red blood applied to my stained, sin-stained soul that redeemed me. It saved me, the red blood of Christ that washed me, the red blood of Jesus that cleansed me, the red blood of the Lord that made me whole. I know the world will continue to have perplexing problems, complex issues, cultures will clash, politics will push up against party lines, but hear me and hear me well, Jesus is still the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. And if we would but follow his way, we would see that race, we would see that gender, we would see that all of the lines that we have created to separate us, if we would follow his way, we would see the political lines that relegate us. The cultural lines that isolate us, the socioeconomic lines that segregate us, the educational lines that denigrate us, all of these lines we would be able to overcome. For Jesus breaks the cultural cycle of his day, not by coming out of heaven as God. Although Jesus is fully God, he breaks the cycle as a human and as a sign to all of us humans saying to us, we can do it too. Somebody has to break the cycle. Somebody has to decide 
we're going to do this differently. Jesus broke the cycle. He overcame it. And he told his disciples, you do the same. And the promise is this. That we who are his, greater works will we also do. We have been given the power, watch this, Jesus broke it in his day for his disciples to overcome. We have that same power within us to do that and greater works. Greater works. Greater works. Greater works are possible for those who believe. Greater works await those who commit themselves and present themselves as living sacrifices. That means that I will work on being that change. I will force myself to have the conversations I don't want to have. I'll push myself to open my heart again when I feel like letting it stay closed. I will insist on not giving in to the temptation of giving up on people and people groups. But I will use my faith to overcome the problem of race in America. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. And give you his peace. Because God is a God who reconciles the world unto himself. He did that by giving us his son, Jesus Christ, who is the great reconciler. I know we're living in tough times. I know we're living in perilous moments. But don't let anything stop you from making a commitment to get this business right. Listen, listen, there, there, there are a lot of things that, that need to be made right in this world and in this nation. But before any of that can be fixed, you ought to start with yourself. Lord, fix me. Fix my mind. Fix my heart. Fix my spirit and fix my soul. If you're ready to be fixed spiritually so that our world can be fixed racially. Why don't you pray this prayer with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, I commit my life to you. There's so much I want to be made right. But Lord, right now, I want you to start with me. Save me, change my mind, change my heart. I'm hurt, I'm tired. I'm weak and I'm worn from the frustrations of life and race and culture in America. But Lord, if I'm going to make it, I know you've got to fix me. So God, I give you my heart, do with it what only you can.
I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on a cross for my sins. And I believe he rose again from the dead. And right now, I accept Jesus as Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you to the place and the space of salvation. The wonderful news is this, that in a world where so many things that we have been given are taken away from us, salvation is a gift. It's once it's been given, nothing and no one can ever snatch it back. So welcome to your new reality of faith in Christ Jesus. I want you to do one more thing. Go ahead and call the number that's on your screen right now. It's going to be someone there who's going to pick up that phone and be uh, ready to speak with you about taking new the next steps in your faith journey so that you will live out your faith with power and victory. Go ahead and call that number. We would love for you to join us and connect with us right here at K Chapel. And let us be your brothers and your sisters as we walk together in faith. God bless you and God keep you. Amen. God bless you and God keep you. Listen, as we prepare to take our leave, simply want to remind you of a few things. We do want you to join us uh, each and every Sunday morning for our Sunday school online. Our teachers from preschool through the adults are, are, are preparing wonderful lessons each and every Sunday morning. Uh, you can catch those lessons and be a part of it. Uh, so make sure that you join in with us starting at 8.30 a.m. And, and going in 30-minute cycles thereafter. Uh, Check on the K Chapel app for the time of your class and join us uh, each Sunday morning uh, for Sunday school. Also, parents, be reminded that we're continuing with our Children's Church online as well. Each and every Thursday, the uh, app is updated with new uh, activities and new resources for parents and for children. New videos and songs and lessons are there as well. So make sure that you're continuing, particularly over the summer, uh, that you continue to keep your children and your young people engaged in the word of God by checking with our children's church. Also, beginning this week, this week we begin vacation Bible school starting on Monday. Monday, starting at 6 p.m., begins our vacation Bible school for preschoolers. On Tuesday, uh, we have vacation Bible school for our youth. And then on Wednesday, uh, we'll have vacation Bible school for our adults. I believe you can still register online, so do do that uh, by going on the K Chapel app as well or on the Nucleus page, K Chapel Nucleus, uh, and you will be able to register online as well. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. Amen. Also, last thing, amen. I want to remind you also, next Sunday, next Sunday is Youth Sunday. Our young people are going to be on display and worshiping the Lord in a powerful way, leading in our worship service. There was a, there's a special uh, guest speaker as well on next Sunday, and so we want you to tune in. Be a part of that very special service as our young people uh, take the forefront in leading in worship and in praise on next Sunday. It's Youth Sunday. Sunday. And so we're excited about that. We want you to uh, be with us on next Sunday. God bless you and God keep you is our prayer. And now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace.